welcome to Recast, presented by the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each episode will look at a key issue of mission or discipleship for church leaders in Scotland. We will be bringing you key voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the church in Scotland. Welcome to the Recast. I'm Glenn and I'm back here again with Lisa. Hi everybody. Hi Glenn. Hey Lisa, it's great to be back. Uh, sorry for the slight delay that we've had in putting out this next series, but we've been uh, busy with lots of other bits and pieces uh, in work and in life. And uh, I think the last time that we recorded a podcast, which I think was just at the end of the, of the year, Lisa, mm-hmm. we were talking about... Having moved house, uh, you had moved into your new home in uh, north of Glasgow. Yeah. And uh, how's that gone? Yeah, I mean, and you had moved as well. It's um, You'd moved less far than I had. I had moved uh, much less far. Actually, it's kind of the same reality because you're then surrounded by lots of people that you don't know at that point, are you? So I think think for us, one of the things that's kind of just been key is trying to be part of our community i mean it's a it's a wee village you know okay. so, um but it has a real kind of community heart to it and uh and i guess you choose don't you and do we just stay in our little box and go out for work and or do we become involved and yeah because we don't know anyone we've kind of gone for the let's get involved but it's um it's really interesting trying to build new friendships or even get to know people it's quite yeah. tiring as well just putting yourself out there all the time being really like cheerful hello who are you i'm me um but actually you know it doesn't take a huge amount i think um so so we've done pilates oh yeah so getting getting reason a bit maybe a bit stronger at the same time as yeah but i, I don't think you're supposed to chat all the way through pilates but I, I'm quite good at doing that, actually. I, I did get told <laughs> off one week. Um, <laughs> and then uh, they have a community cinema once a month as well. So that's kind of, that's quite fun. So that's on, on Friday. Um, it's the Elvis film. I, I have no idea what that's like, but are we going to make oh, friends with really people? we really liked that movie. That did was you? great. Have you yes. seen it yet? No, no, it's got a good reviews. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that what you're going to see? At yeah, yeah, going to see that. So, wow. but I mean, it's just all about kind of being in a shared space with people, isn't it? I guess, mm-hmm. and and maybe being more in their space than the one that has been more comfortable to me in the past, uh, yeah. and being the stranger and being the one that doesn't know anybody or anything. Yeah. Uh, there's a certain vulnerability about that. Yeah, yeah there is. But but yes. Everybody else kind of knows the rules or uh-huh. the unspoken social rules, and you're the new one trying to. To navigate exactly. that while at the yeah. same time going, will you please be my friend? I know, it does feel a little <laughs> bit like the school playground at times. <laughs> so how is it in your new little community? Yeah, it's great. Um, I mean, like you said, we we, had, we didn't move far, but what's interesting is you don't have to move far for a community to, to be really different. I mean, mm-hmm. when I say we haven't moved far, I mean, we've moved like 500 metres, you know, so really not far. Uh, and, but into a, a a new development mm-hmm. and and we're one of the last people to move into the development so there's all these established all right. patterns of yeah like who puts the bins out uh-huh. who takes the bins <laughs> away and and you're like am i allowed to put my bins there can i and uh yeah so it it's it's been a really fun fun experience and getting to know people and mm-hmm. trying to figure out uh how we live well in this space Mm -hmm. with the plan to be here for a long time exactly there's a certain Uh, intensity about that isn't there you know just yeah and and i think as well the the long time thing has been really helpful for me because i i have a tendency towards right we've got a million things to do and we should do them all this week or Mm -hmm. next week um and and actually, do you know what? It's it's okay. We're going to live alongside these people for years or decades, and and let's just take our time and and mm-hmm. uh, and be nice, good neighbours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think we're hosting a little party for the community. Oh yeah, it's really not for the community. It's for us. We're like, hello, can we meet <laughs> you all? And and the thing is, my wife's Karen. She's so good with names and uh, stuff like that. And 
given my job, this is not a good thing to, <laughs> to confess to, but I am terrible at remembering people's names. Like, just terrible. Um, yeah. I'm so good I'm at faces Lisa. and stories. I'm Lisa, by but... the way. Sorry? I'm Lisa, by the way. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, so So that's... Uh, I, I think it's really interesting to, you know, have that longer view where you're like, do you know what? It, it'd be fine. We'll figure it mm-hmm. out. And some people will move away and some people will stay. And, mm-hmm. But we'll have years and years. And there's a number of children around here too. And you, know, I, I realised, actually, they're going to grow up here. We're mm-hmm. going to watch them go from being, you know, I think one of them's four at the moment. So. <laughs> You know, so it's uh, it's quite a thing, and we we just got new neighbours moved in yesterday, uh-huh. so that's going to be quite interesting because mm. uh, they've moved in from Idaho, uh, oh, which is wow. quite a long way away. And yeah. uh, there, he described himself to me as a deconstructing Mormon. Wow, that's an interesting conversation waiting like, right to okay, happen. Yeah, but are you ready for a laugh at how culturally <laughs> inappropriate I was? I said. <laughs> I said to him, oh, Go that's on. fine. I helped him move some of his stuff in out of his van. And then I said, ah, you know, once you're settled in, we could, could maybe go for a coffee or a beer or something. <laughs> well, that's and your next conversation. I instantly out. went, oh, Glenn. <laughs> like the one thing you could, or the two things you're like, oh, what? Anyway. Yeah, I hope you go you around the second time to apologise. A culturally relevant <laughs> Scottish invitation, as opposed to me just being an idiot and not thinking about his yeah. background. But yeah, but that's it, isn't it? I mean, it's like working out where the kind of shared things are and uh, or not, as the case might be. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and and just, I mean, for for me, because um, we've always lived kind of close to our church and everything like that. Yeah. You know what does it what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in this community? I, I found a few others, which is really exciting. Um, we actually met for a Bible study on Monday. Yeah, with Kate. Oh, so tell me about that though. I think that'd be helpful for people. How does that happen? So you meet a couple of Christians. You go, oh, you're a Christian. You go to church, blah blah blah, and then yeah. you go. Do you want to come over for a Bible study? Or well, no, no, work? but the, this, the best thing was that they invited me. So ah. obviously, there's there's something kind of quite easy about when people say, "Why have you moved?" and you say, "Work." And then yeah. they say, what do you do? And you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> um, and, what do uh, you so, do, Lisa? <laughs> well, well, on my passport, it says I'm a Baptist minister. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, that makes it a little bit easier because people then assume that you have some level of faith, which, which is true, obviously. Um, so, But it was amazing, I guess, a bit of praying about it as well to meet people. But they were like, oh, oh wow, you're a Christian like uh yep um so there's there's you know not that many but there's this lady called joe and she gathers people at her house um there's a few of us um um, and we we read the bible we're all from very different church backgrounds but uh and prayed and prayed for the village so yeah nice good thing isn't it but who did the invite for that so this lady called joe who i met yeah. yeah, so I met her at Pilates, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Where you meet all your Christian friends. And then, you know, she made tea and cake. Nice. So, and, a, and a big roaring fire. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So. Which I know your house is pretty cold. So yeah, so it was really gift. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that kind of trying to work out how to share something of your journey and right at, at the beginning of conversations, do you do that at all and how do you do that and... Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Right. And I mean, just so people know, we, we definitely do not script these introductory <laughs> conversations. Uh, that, that's probably entirely obvious to people. But um, uh, it is interesting that we've ended up talking about kind of fairly mundane things. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and people might actually just have switched off because it's too mundane. <laughs> but, but actually... One of the things we've been thinking about outside of this context is uh, recently is a little bit about the fact that that our faith is lived out mm-hmm. much more in the mundane moments than it mm-hmm. is in moments of you know spectacular glory or standing on a stage or doing yeah. something amazing for God, and uh, and so the next little while in the podcast. Uh, again, shows how well organised we are. We're not entirely sure how long we're going to do this for, but uh, we want to have a bit of an exploration of 
I, I guess our faith in ordinary life, our faith mm-hmm. in the workplace, our faith uh, in in the home and in our neighbourhoods uh, mm-hmm. and among friends and family and that kind of thing. And But we're still very much focused on the fact that this is a podcast predominantly aimed at leaders. So mm-hmm. we're asking the question of how is it that, you know, those of us who have the privilege of leading can help those mm-hmm. who ha- who are perhaps living out their, their, their lives yeah. in, in, in different places. To that end, mm-hmm. we have Martin Link uh, mm-hmm. on our podcast today. And uh, Martin has a whole load of interesting things to say to us. So... Enjoy uh, this conversation with Martin. If you don't know who he is, you're about to find out. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Well, we are delighted to have Martin Link with us on the podcast this week. And uh, Martin, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Lisa. Um, Martin, I I suspect lots of people will have no idea who Martin Link is, uh, and I wonder if you might be kind enough uh, to fill us in. Who is Martin Link? Sure, no, thanks, Clint. So I'm um, originally uh, a Yorkshireman, came up to Scotland to study study, uh, Edinburgh many moons ago, and um, been here ever since, basically, uh, quite a long time. And I've settled in Scotland, been working in Edinburgh, Dundee and Aberdeen over the years at different companies and also going to church in Edinburgh and Dundee and uh, live in the countryside um, with three kids and, and my wife near between Kermier and Lake Arrow, so in the beautiful Strathmore Valley, uh, which is actually sunny uh, just now. Lovely. And um, yeah, I've been mostly recently working in Aberdeen for the last 11 years and now I've got a couple of different jobs uh, between London and working from home, things like that. Amazing. So what kind of industry were you in uh, and what do you find yourself in just now? So I started out as a scientist. Um, I did um, two degrees at Edinburgh University on human physiology and diabetes uh, back in the day. And then I got a job as a consultant, research consultant in Edinburgh, looking at the pharmaceutical industry. So drug de- drug development, uh, drug delivery. So a lot of the uh, things like vaccines, a lot of things are in the news now. Um, this was a long time ago now. But um, yeah, really enjoyed that. I found my my kind of my gifting as an analyst back then, my first proper job, I absolutely loved it. And I remember going home to see my wife and saying, I can't believe they're paying me to do this job because I was so happy <laughs> for a couple of years. And and then eventually left that um, and got, got into the oil and gas industry in 2011. Went to work for um, Wood, and known to many people as the Wood Group, in Aberdeen at their headquarters. And yeah, quite a big shift from science to oil and gas. And then over the last 10 years, I helped that company diversify into lots of different industries and pivot towards the energy transition and sustainability and all these things that are now massively in the public um, consciousness. So that my job there, my I started as, as an analyst looking at market data, market research, and then ended up doing corporate strategy. So I was the chief strategy officer for, for Wood um, and had a lot of interesting uh, experiences buying companies and um, leading huge reorganizations in the company of the of the structure of the company and then I left that company eventually in April last year and now I'm doing two jobs actually I've got a job leading a not-for-profit which is in the business resilience space so trying to help businesses um, prepare for shocks and stresses and, and come out um, better or at least survive and then I also do some consulting work I've got my own consulting business where I do a couple of days for a another big UK-based engineering company where I do some corporate strategy consulting. So, uh, yeah, fairly busy. And then I also started an MBA in December. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really, really busy. But, uh, yeah, it's been it's been an incredible um, <clears throat> journey through working in Edinburgh in life sciences, Dundee in life sciences, and then oil and gas in Aberdeen, and seeing the challenges Aberdeen faced, you know, during the oil mm-hmm. price crash firsthand, a lot of redundancies, a lot of stress on people and, and being at the pretty near the top of a massive UK company and, and how it's had to 
uh, respond to all the COVID and uh, negative oil prices and, you know, huge challenges in the industry. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's been quite an incredible journey uh, to get to this point. So, yeah, it's been it's been enjoyable. Martin, that makes me feel slightly exhausted just listening to you. <laughs> I, I, I do realise that's over a few decades and not in the last five minutes. Um, just just listening to you as well, it just reminded me of... Um, Reminded me of that quote from um, Eric Liddell about his running, and he says, "When I run, I feel his pleasure." And um, I was just wondering, you know, out of all those things, what are the things that you sense are God's gifts, the things He's put in you that are just make you sense that He's pleased or give you life um, in in your workspace? There's many things that you've mentioned that you've done, but what is it really that you you sense are the things that God has put in you? Yeah, it's a great question, Lisa. I think there's one thing that a specific moment springs to mind, actually, when I was getting involved. So I started at Wood quite, I would say, quite junior and they didn't really have any analysts. And so um, I did more and more, as I did more and more research and showed them what I could do, I I became kind of, um, I like to think of it like I got people addicted (laughs) to, to what I was doing in a good way. They kind of became quite dependent on it. And so in the end, I ended up, um, rising through the company as our CEO uh, rose and took various small senior roles, I also kind of rose through that. And there was a definite moment when I, it was it was actually quite a struggle because I was quite committed outside of work, and then my work was just taking off, and I was getting more and more responsibility, being asked to take on more and more leadership, and I just had this sense of uh, peace of, of, after quite a period of wrestling. I had the sense of peace that I, I said to the Lord, look, if you want me to do this and give it 100% of what I've got, I'll do it. And uh, and I kind of let go of all the other commitments that would, were kind of in my life at that moment. And it was like I was riding this wave uh, of God's blessing for about, I would say about five years of being put in this really strategic place where I effectively had the had the ear of the CEO and before he made you know, a big decision, we would do some analysis, look at various options, do some modeling. I wrote a, blue, a blueprint for various different changes that were happening. And I felt very much like it was this kind of Joseph calling where this, this person from nowhere really, and um, ended up being right at the heart between 2015 and 2020, 2019, in that period, uh, it was unbelievable, Lisa, and I felt God just blessing me, giving me favour at work like I'd never known or expected, and seeing these the this kind of yeah, just favour flow uh, and and have an impact, massive impact in the company as well. And I sensed, I felt at that point, you know, I was, I, I, you know, I was made to do this job, and uh, this is my dream job. And I used to keep three things written down in, on my desk when times were tough. I had. I'm good at my job. God is pleased with me, and um, I'm. Well, I'm. Yeah, I enjoy what I do. God uh, is pleased with me, and I'm good at it. And those three things, kind of, I had in front of me when, you know, as you can imagine, in big companies, it's not all smooth sailing. Uh, but yeah, I definitely felt God's God's presence and His favor at that point in my in my career. Brilliant. I mean, it, 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 you you've talked about. One aspect of this, which is that you uh, made a commitment to this sense of calling that meant putting down other things. So your yes to that meant no to other things. Uh, how much did your faith inform what you said yes and no to in that in that space, both work-wise and, I guess, the balance of your life? Yeah, Glenn, that's a very, it's a good question because I think my faith has been, like, in some ways it's, it's felt like, well, it, You'll see where, I, where it's been a kind of a struggle to really work it out uh, from my faith perspective, because when I um, went to university, I was sure I was going to be a missionary. And in fact, um, I, I'm actually talking to three different couples who I know who were at university with me, who've been on the mission field for about 20 years, and now they've come back to Scotland. And so they, they did go out and they came back. And I, I uh, thought I was going to go out. I went to China in my final year of university and taught English for five weeks. And I thought, this is it, Lord, I'm off to Asia. And uh, and I, I kind of had that sense of calling from a young age. 
And then when I got to university and um, I had this really strong calling one night, I was at Charlotte Chapel at the time, and um, I really felt God convicting me um, up through a verse in Jeremiah about preaching the word. And I would I look back at it as a call to preach, but not to be a church pastor, if that makes sense. Mm. And I didn't understand it fully at the time, but I thought it was a call to be a pastor. And so for 10 years, I wrestled with increasing responsibility and opportunities at work and trying to be a good church member and a deacon and um, occasionally an elder at various churches. And this pull, this really strong pull between where I felt my gifting, my skills were and where, where God was blessing me and my faith and my, my, my head telling me I, I have this call that I have to fulfill. And so it was 10 years of wrestling. And then I like, I, as I say, I kind of had this release moment where I said, okay, I can't fight this anymore. Cause it was, it was, I was being buried under, under too much work all around. And then I realized after a couple of years that God was wanting me to be that pastoral, pastoral person, pastoral heart in the workplace. And that led to a whole load of, of um, initiatives. We started a charity in 2012 to help people in the workplace in Aberdeen who were struggling with um, redundancy and marriage breakdown. And uh, it was a very alpha male environment in oil and gas uh, in that period. And we had a big impact, I would say, in Aberdeen through the Business Connection charity that I started with a couple of other Christian businessmen. Um, that led to other things like trying to organize a conference for Christians in the workplace in Aberdeen, which we did in 2019, um, with 12 different mission organizations to kind of bring together and celebrate Christians in the workplace, which was the biggest event that had happened in Scotland for a couple of decades, I think. Mm. And then in the end, starting a group for Christians in Wood. Um, when I first went to the company, this is just a wee side story, but when I first went to work there, and I don't think this is unusual uh, to this particular company, but there was definitely a culture of um, being a bit af afraid. Or you know, so people come up to me. Uh, I remember one moment when someone quite senior came up to me at a drinks reception at her house, and she kind of sidled alongside me at one point and said, "You know, I go to church as well." <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and I was like, "Okay, that's good." And uh, and and there was this sense of people were very, very kind of reluctant to, to talk about their faith. And another another uh, story where this guy I was getting to know and they knew I commuted to Aberdeen. And uh, it, as it happens, I, this first day I started in this new department, I was preparing a sermon at lunchtime, as you do. <laughs> so I was sat down in this break hour and this guy came over to me. I didn't know. And we were chatting. He's like, oh, what are you doing? I told him. And we got into this big chat and, and then a couple of months later, he told me this story that at a time when I was missing from the group, they were kind of talking about me in the bank of desks. And um, this guy, who I, I was opposite. I won't tell you his name, but it's a lovely guy. And he was like, I can't understand why Martin doesn't just move to Aberdeen. You know, he commutes all the way up here and it's hours out of his day every day. And this friend that I'd made explained, well, you have to realize he's you know, his kids are sold at, at school there, his wife's got work, and he goes to church in Dundee. And the guy went, church? <laughs> and it was like, it was like, I had rabies, you know, really. <laughs> it's like this, this response of, wow, this is, how can this nice guy be a Christian, you know, that I like? And, <laughs> and this, this was the culture that I was in the middle of. And so God, God really challenged me to say, look, you know, okay, you've been helping Aberdeen culture, but now you need to help Wood itself. Mm -hmm. So a few of us uh, in Aberdeen set up the first ever Christian group in Wood, and that grew to about 70 people by the time we left from all across mm -hmm. the world. And yeah. so there's this, there's, there's been this blend of like trying to get away from work to serve God and yet ending up, you know, um, serving him in ways that I couldn't have believed through my my day job um, but also that opening up doors of opportunity for blessing other christians at work uh and and in a little way trying to change the culture of the company you know trying to get faith being something that people are not afraid to talk about 
Um, so yeah, it's been it, it's been very eye opening. You know, I'm not really I don't know really know what I'm doing. You know, it's kind of like interesting <laughs> that happens. Yeah, like I'll give you I'll give you another example where that we had. Um, I, I was trying to get Faith established as a staff group in in work, and there's this lovely lady who was very open about it. She's not she's not a, a believer in any faith. And we're like, oh, we'll probably have to do like a multi-faith because the, the work can't look, be looking to to um, promote one particular faith. They have to be neutral, obviously. And I was totally yeah. fine with that. And so she said, oh, come on this call. But they had this like diversity, inclusion and quality call every <laughs> two months. So come on this call and just talk about your group and and ask if anybody wants to do anything. So I, I remember very vividly one November being on this call of all the DNI passionate people talking about my little faith christian faith group and basically asking if there's any if there's any muslims out there that wanted to start a faith group and i remember thinking lord i really have no idea what i'm doing here and i don't even know if this is the right thing but you put me in this position where i believe each step i'm taking you just take the next step and the next step and i thought well maybe you know in a in a secular environment where it's not a christian company actually people were all told to show up as our true selves you know that's what we're told at work mm-hmm. and actually my true self is a, is a christian and if i can help people in other faiths show up as their true self maybe that is a good thing so this is it's it's been a real challenge to know okay you know is this what is this what god is calling me to do and and yet mm-hmm. there has been each step i've taken has been uh, I felt a piece about it being the the right thing, but it feels sometimes like you're kind of off piste, you know, uh, out in uncharted yeah. territory trying to figure it out. Sounds like it sounds like you're quite good at off piste. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've you know you've been quite brave and um, you've put it made it clear to people that you are a Christian. Um, and I just I suppose we're just wondering, you know, what, what would be some of the costs that you've experienced through that, or have you experienced costs or the challenges for um and kind of holding that in in a workplace, which at times I know has been challenging and quite difficult. So how how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I found people to be um 99% of the time very friendly and amicable I think like I grew up I would say God gave me this kind of passion as an evangelist you know it's kind of a natural um desire and passion to speak to people about Jesus and I did a lot of that like street evangelism at university I think the cost actually has been on for, on on me Lisa because like carrying carrying things for like 10 years for 20 years you know and not seeing a lot of fruit um carrying things where your heart's desire is to tell people and yet realizing the time's not right. Um, and I remember one job I went to when I came up to Dundee, um, yeah, the, the, I started a new job and I didn't tell anybody for, for a year. It didn't come up. Right. So I just did my job. Nobody knew I wasn't, you know, I don't go in all guns blaring. It's kind of like just conversational. Mm-hmm. And then we had the Christmas party and there was a quiz. Right. And, and then there was a Bible quiz. <laughs> And so, you know, I got nine out of ten. I can't remember the question I got wrong, actually. That's really impressive. Well done. I'm not really terrible at that because it's really embarrassing. I was really really frustrated. I got one wrong. But then a guy from from the office was like, you know, he was just flabbergasted. So this led to a conversation about, you know, so you you go to church then? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but you're a scientist, you know. know, Surely you believe in evolution. And I said, no, I don't. And this this totally blew his mind apart. And so, you know, that led to more conversations. Mm. But it, it's not been a, it's not been like I've been ridiculed, you know. I, mm. I think people, there are obviously people who ridicule Christians out there. Um, I think we're a lot more afraid to speak up than we, we should be. But we should also, you know, we need to be as sensitive and appropriate, right? We're there to do, do a job. Um, but the cost mainly, I, I would say, has been my my sense of uh frustration and sense of am i actually having an impact for jesus at all um and that's been i would say that if you're if you're doing something that's more t- you know obviously demonstrative of god's love or sharing the gospel more obviously and vocally mm-hmm. i think 
it's probably a bit easier to say, yes, I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. Yes, I'm serving God. When you're when you're like working on a spreadsheet till 10 o'clock at night <laughs> and then, you know, the next day getting up at six o'clock to go on an airplane and you're just kind of, you know, serving a corporate environment where sometimes you get a pat on the back, sometimes you get fired. Some, you know, it's very, it can be very hard to know that you're fulfilling God's calling for your life. And so I've, I've definitely wrestled with that. I've uh, been made redundant twice and, you know, it's not been one blessing after another. So in the midst of all that, you can get lost. You know, you can find yourself feeling, actually, how did I end up here? And is, mm. and is this what God wants? Um, much more, much more than other people telling you, you know, things. Um, but you also need to be sensitive as well. You know, I've worked with many people who you need to be very delicate and sensitive in how you speak and not, you know, build bridges and not kind of come at things head on, you know? Yeah. Um, so you need to kind of be very, very relational. And so mm-hmm. I think that's been a learning for me is not to panic and try and get to the conversation. If it's, nothing's happened in six months, it's just to love people. And yeah. if a conversation yeah. comes up, great. But if not, somebody else will have that conversation um, I, I believe that. So yeah, it's been it's definitely been a journey. Really good. I I, I mean, there's so much we could ask you about there. I mean, the, the, I'm sure there's some fascinating insights from. You know, you said you've been made redundant twice, and you know we've talked about some of the high points there. But you know, the realities of God's faithfulness in the midst of those more difficult times. Um, but we haven't got you here to talk about that. So I, I actually want to push into something else because otherwise this podcast will be about two hours long, which we would maybe get you back for a different one of those. And what I'd like to push into is is really around something you said earlier, which is you said that you had this sense of being called as a missionary um, and uh, that you've had those friends who'd been on the mission field. And I desperately wanted to jump in and say, and so have you. Right? Um, and, and I think, I think we're getting better as, as a, a church wider uh, where we, um, where we're, we understand that uh, people are called uh, by God in different spaces. And that might be, you know, we, we, we recognize what happened to Daniel and, exile and called into that space and serve faithfully God in in the, in a context that that didn't seem to have a lot very positive going for it and it leads you into the what what Lisa called off piste areas earlier I, I think that's good you know like those gray zones of how how do I how do I um navigate these uh pulls and pushes and the tensions that can come because of that um so I get it so that's a, a long introduction to my question, because my question is this, is how has the church, and I'm not asking you to name names or call people out here, but how has the church uh, or helped disciple you for that complex space of the workplace? Um, and and if you've got, yeah, so I, how has the church helped you or, or helped disciple you for that space? Or not? Yeah, I, I think this is something that I've obviously, well, I've been a Christian a very long time now. I was a Christian when I was nine. And thinking, you know, we talk, you know, we kind of talked about that mental model that we have, isn't it? You know, we are all missionaries, but I definitely had a hierarchy in my mind, you know, when I when I was young. Because all the books I read were Hudson Taylor, you know, William Carey, you know, they were all pioneer missionaries and um and you think, oh wow, you know that they really served God with their life, and I think you know there is that you know there there is that assumption in your back of your mind. Yeah. So I grew up, I definitely grew up with that, and I definitely had that. And one thing I've learned is that everybody is that kind of the deconstruction of that is it takes a long time. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're still reinforcing that on the whole in our churches in terms of the people we pray for. You know, the, the stories we tell, the heroes and heroines of the of the faith, yeah. the people who have a share yeah. of the of the platform, the pulpit. I, on the whole, we're still reinforcing that. On the whole, although mm. you know, I think one of so how has it helped? It's definitely, I would say, the church has definitely helped in terms of my my faith. I've you know, I've grown up with a very very strong faith. Um, never really doubted or you know. Um, 
I might have, you know, wandered, you know, ethically, but never from kind of conscience. I've never, I've always known it's true. Whether yeah. I've been able to follow everything is a different matter. But, uh, you know, I think that discipleship of really solid grounding in the word and mm-hmm. and then then going into places where you don't know what, you don't know what the rule book is. I I put that down to the church. I put it down to my family. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. in a Christian family. I've been going to churches ever since I was I was born. And 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 scripture. I mean, scripture is the best uh, trainer of everything, basically, because you know when when you're in that moment, you know as you as you will both you know also see that you know God God and you is all that's needed, really, ultimately. And I think a big thing for I will get to your question. A big thing for um, work people, business people, people in the workplace is affirmation um, and a a sense of you are where you should be. And I think LITC have done a great job in raising that conversation and saying, yes, you know, work is a mission field. Where's your front line? And I've I've been involved with many LITC things. I think they're fantastic. But I think that sense of affirmation, like, verbally someone saying to you you are where god you know you're doing such a great job you are where god wants you to be i think a lot of business people and workplace people are crying out for that and Mm -hmm. so one thing i've had to had to i've had to get my affirmation from from the lord you know from like that sense of conscience i haven't had a lot of affirmation um and that's but i'm that's something that you just kind of okay you know my friends went abroad and wrote prayer letters and you know people were praying for them yeah. I stayed I stayed here I don't know if anybody's praying for me <laughs> you know I'm sure there are but the people who are praying for me and my we've thankfully we've got a, a strong now I've built a strong network a, across people in the workplace Christians in the workplace and mm. in fact we have a um every day we there's a list of about 17 of us in Aberdeen who pray for each other every single day so I found that from the church, you, you know, universal mm-hmm. rather than the local church, if that makes sense. I found it from brothers and sisters in, in the same kind of, um, you know, area of, of life as me who have the similar challenges. And we, so we support each other. We do. And we pray for each other. But I think a lot of it happens outside the local church. And I think that is one of the things that I am very passionate about changing, actually, um if possible but i don't know quite how to do that but uh yeah you, definitely... you come on a podcast, on a podcast. with us martin i actually find what you've just said really moving yeah. actually and and really challenging um because actually what what you're asking there is is not the world um it's it's can someone tell me that what i'm doing is good and godly and honoring um and in a sense can i also then be liberated from the guilt of all the things i think that i should be doing and, and the whole prayer letter thing honestly i c- you probably have so many things and others in the same situation where you know it's it's right at the coal face isn't it it's it's challenging stuff where people are not necessarily on your side really difficult ethical decisions difficult relational um relationships to navigate um hard choices and um pressure to compromise on your beliefs and ethical position on stuff you think actually why are we not creating that space whereby you and others like you feel really supported in what you're doing but it is like you know you've got on your missionary journey it's just been to Aberdeen um <laughs> and, and I think I mean it's when you look back you realize what God was doing um but at the time it, it's it's not clear because you know I think um when you look at what's been happening in Scotland in the last 15 20 years you know and how fast it's changed and how we've lost you know the church we were already at the margins you know, before the turn of the century, right? And now it's not just that we're at the margins, we're a problem for many people. And, you know, I remember, you know, I used to read a lot of, you know, Richard Dawkins and all these people, and there was this whole shift of, you know, the church was nice, but 
um, irrelevant. And then it became um, dangerous eventually. And it was actually something that was a problem to people and causing damage. And that's the that's UK. But then if you look at Scotland and what's happened with progressive sexual ethics, and you realize one of the things I've really noticed it being in like, you know, one of these, you know, it's like influence, isn't it? You know, we're, we're, we're all focused on politics at the moment uh, and Christian influence in politics. And hopefully we're praying for Christian people in politics. And I'm sure many churches are praying, but how do you, you know, how you support Christians who are in that sphere? I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure one individual church can actually figure that out, you know, and actually do it really, really well. And also people in healthcare and people in, you know, business. And, but I think it's a network, you know, we need the networks that go across kind of like going back to, I think a lot about if we went back to pre-Christian Scotland and like the, the monks traveling around, you know, teaching people this kind of practice of living, it almost feels like, that's what I'm I'm kind of learning is that what's the practice of living when with you know you have kind of a very, very, very secular environment and people not interested in Christianity at all, but but looking for love, you know, hungry for love, hungry for companionship, hungry for hope. Um so there's a huge open door there for us. And I think you know, one of the things that blew my mind was faith is one of the protected characteristics when we talk about uh, you know sexuality disability uh, gender race you know faith is also one of these protected characteristics and i've been working with um transforming work uk to say okay we shouldn't be afraid of this moment we should actually step into it because we're as as valid a, a voice as anybody else um but having the support around you to do that and the confidence to do that you know you mentioned bravery earlier you know i think it helps when you get to a certain point in your career where you're not really worried about promotion yeah. <laughs> you know and you're yeah. kind of like you're willing to put your neck out a little bit more and so i i, I think if you're if you're kind of lower down the company and more anxious about your boss and you're probably less able to do these things but i think it's for those of us who you know a bit more bit older a bit more confident to say you know actually there is a christian up you know a voice in scotland that's not been heard and at this company as well i mean work i'm doing with the business connection is we're trying to establish networks in every city in scotland um like we've got in aberdeen so christians who are not um supported in their company can get support in the city um so yeah there's there's lots of ideas about how we can do that better Brilliant. Martin, uh, thank you so much. We, we really could, I suspect, be here a couple of hours, but uh, in the interest of the fact that you've already, we know how busy you are, so uh, <laughs> we are genuinely massively grateful for the time you've given mm -hmm. us. Just before we close, is there anything, you've mentioned a couple of organisations there that you're involved with and stuff, is there anything that you'd want to let people know about who are hearing this and thinking, actually, I, I'd like to know a little more or I'd like to connect some more with that? Is there anything you want to let folks know about? Yeah, thanks, Colin. So there is one thing I would raise. So we've um, had this organization called Thrive, which is effectively trying to do a lot of the things I've been talking about, um, bringing together Christians in the in the workplace and in their city. So we're actually doing, um, uh, we've got a week in June where we've got a couple of speakers and we're going to be going around different cities uh, to have gatherings, to invite people who are in the workplace to come together um to talk about these kind of things how do you bless your city you know uh, how do you bring transformation to your city so we've already got dundee and aberdeen planned i think edinburgh as well so yeah you can get in contact uh thrivescotland.org uh, or contact me um through through this uh, i'm happy to share my email and and yeah pray for us pray for uh, this kind of growing network of christians across the country and across cities who I think of it like capture the flag, you know, the church is like protecting the home flag and we're out there trying to capture the enemy's flag and we're, we're kind of off piste and uh, <laughs> trying to figure it out as we go. Yeah. <clears throat> but if we can build some sort of network, we'll, we'll hopefully integrate the home and the, 
and they attack us together as one team. Brilliant. Now, we would often close by asking our guests to pray for us or for everyone listening. But actually, I think it would be better if we prayed for you and for those in the workplace. So, uh, Lisa, would you uh, would you pray for Martin and those who are in that kind of space? Sure. Lord, thank you that you call all of us uh, and you've fitted us and formed us for the calling that you have for us. And thank you for Martin. Um, thank you for his gifting as an analyst, um, as someone who works with strategy, who builds good uh, relationships um, at a broad level. Thank you for equipping him to serve you in uh, numerous situations uh, and to be an influence for good and for truth. Um, and thank you for all that you've taught him um, over those years through some of the tough and challenging periods as well as the good ones. And so, Lord, I pray for him today. I pray for your strength. I pray for mm. continued wisdom and discernment for him in the decisions that he takes of how he goes about those and when he says yes and when he says no. Um, and I pray for your protection around him. And, Lord, we want to pray together for many people today who are in their workspaces um, just that they would know your strength uh, and your encouragement. We pray that they might know your affirmation, that you are pleased with them um, and with them, and that in all that they do, whether it seems obvious or not, they are serving and honouring you. Um, and you see that, Lord, even if no one else is seeing it, you mm. see it, um, and you say, well done. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that uh, as those who follow you across this nation in our various spaces, you would help us to lift up the name of Jesus in the way that we do that for your honour and glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been great to have you. And uh, I'm sure we're going to hear more from you about this subject over the course of the next little while. So bless you. That was a great conversation with Martin. Um, yeah. I, I had loads to take away from it. But um, Lisa, what what struck you? What what grabbed you from what, what Martin had to say? Yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting conversation and um, quite challenging as, as, a, as a church leader as well, really. Um, I, I think I think the thing that really really impacted me was when he was talking about just simply wanting affirmation yeah you know, I, I just it's so easy to think that you've got to have a a plan and a program and a strategy and some of those things are good obviously but that that wasn't what he was saying at all it's just i need to know i'm in the right place doing what god has called me to do and i need you to tell me that that's the case um and that it's okay i, I it's so easy actually and, and profoundly impacting. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't. I mean, there was loads of interest and stuff, but that part really struck me. I think partly because, and, and I hope it comes across in the audio recording, but in the in the moment, it it it, it, it felt quite emotional actually. Mm -hmm. That that kind of plea. And uh, where it took me is that as a church leader, I I have some people in my. Uh, in my congregation who have, I guess, similar to Martin, quite significant leadership mm -hmm. roles in, you know, Scottish government or mm -hmm. whatever it happens to be. And I genuinely often feel like I have no idea what I have to offer you. You know, mm -hmm. people who are really smart. And, and so I become quite intimidated. Yeah. Uh, I think. And, and actually the reality is that what Martin's saying is you don't need to give me anything. You don't need to mm -hmm. tell me lots of stuff. Just affirm that what I'm doing is good mm -hmm. and that what I'm doing is what God has called me to mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. I'm doing is can be used by God for the, yeah. the extension of his kingdom and yeah. all of those things. And so and and I can do that, right? That, yeah. that yeah. feels yeah. doable, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I I I I uh that feels doable. Sure. So I, yeah. I was really struck by that. Uh and and there was one other piece that I think is a challenge to us. And I don't know what you think about this, but you, you've been a pastor much longer than me. Uh, 
But he talked really about the busyness that people who mm. are uh, quote unquote successful, or I, I think he used the word riding the crest of a, mm-hmm. a wave of blessing at one point. Um, one of the things that takes from them is time, mm-hmm. and and therefore there's there's choices to make. So, and and as a pastor, I mean, clearly Martin can communicate and preach, and you can imagine that he could mm-hmm. be on every committee that you've got in the church and on your preaching team and whatever <laughs> else. There's a temptation to bring them in. How how do you deal with that tension mm-hmm. there? And that's a really good question. I, I think the truthful answer is sometimes you don't, because you know you because you, you want people um, who are busy and uh, oh, sometimes you need them, um, and also there's the tension within them as well because you know I think you picked it up from what Martin was sharing that. I wanted to serve and that I wanted to be involved. And so I think there's a bit of sometimes you don't. Um, some of that, I think, has been a little bit that same conversational piece of saying, I know that your calling is primarily in your workspace or whatever that looks like. And I would love you to be involved as and when you can, but there is no guilt and pressure on you. The other thing that we did for a little while in my church a number of years ago and we were trying to get a bit of a handle on this was um we did this thing on a Sunday called uh this time tomorrow it was TTT um and we just got whole you know pretty much everyone over the years up to the front for five minutes and said yeah because it's kind of roughly 11 o'clock in the morning isn't it um what will you be doing this time tomorrow and so, yeah, some people were like, well, I'll be going to be teaching, you know, 33 eight-year-olds. Um, and tomorrow we're working out the geography of the world by using sticky tape and glitter and whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, someone else would be like, oh, well, I'm on a plane to the States tonight and hopefully I'll actually be awake enough to lead some exec meeting tomorrow yeah. in New York. And and some people would be like, um, um. I'm looking after my mum because she's got dementia and and then we just simply pray for them. I think that really helped to kind of, you know, heighten awareness that people had lives beyond the church service and they were significant uh, and valuable. Um, And that helped those who didn't already know. And I think it helped the people who in their own space to feel okay about that as well. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, that that um, it reminds me of the, I guess the LICC stuff mm-hmm. that that comes out, and they had a a, a service of of commissioning actually mm-hmm. that you could do for people just in the workplace, and I suspect we might return to this over the course of the next little Indeed. while. Um, but uh, just a, another thank you to Martin, yep, uh, for his time, uh, for his insight. Um, and uh, please do uh, check out the Thrive website that he mm-hmm. talked about. You can find that in the show notes. And uh, if you would like to get in touch with Martin, uh, then rather than giving out his email address, you can contact Lisa or I uh, at Glenn at or Lisa at scottishbaptist.org.uk and we can put you in touch with Martin if you'd like to chat with him some more. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back soon with some more exciting people helping us to think about how we live out our faith in this ordinary world. We are out. <laughs>